You don't want to come across as inferior or weak. You don't want to look dumb. Mm -hmm. But it's like time and time again, in all school environments, learning environments, you have professors, you have teachers, you have tutors who are saying, ask questions, there are no stupid questions. And it's like, no matter how many times they say that, you're not going to ask the question because <laughs> you just don't want to look like that one person who needs help, you know. Welcome back to the Happy Way podcast. We are your hosts, Lily Sutherland and Rachel Kaminia. Beyond the Comfort Zone is a series all about stepping away from the things that make you feel comfortable and exploring the things that make you feel uncertain, uncomfortable and even scared. Join us as we dive into the deep end, literally, and push ourselves to new limits and discover the world beyond our comfort zone. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Comfort Zone. Today we are talking about a fear of asking for help and we are talking about this fear in many different aspects of our lives. So from help, just in asking for help in the supermarket to um, help at work or help with mental health. Just got a lot of questions and we thought that something quite common that a lot of people do have this underlying fear yeah. of asking for help. It's like pretty universal I feel like. Well in the last episodes we were talking about the like gym, the fear of the gym and I feel like that is something that people probably do have initially but then there are some people who just love it from the get-go and then I feel like this everyone has probably that one experience in their life that they can go back to and think oh yeah I do actually have that. So in order to kind of talk about this and make it a bit more, you know, to validate how everyone feels, we have a lovely special guest with us today. Her name is Chloe. Um, hi, Chloe. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> That's okay. Pleasure. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and what you specialize in. Sure. Um, so I am a behavioural scientist. I work at UniSA currently. Uh, our team works with communities to develop programs and resources to uh, support people's health and well-being with a focus on mental health. I've also worked in the past as a community mental health practitioner with people with uh, serious mental illness and psychosocial disability. And I'm also currently a counselling and psychotherapy student too. Awesome. So now you know why we've invited Chloe to come in and talk about this topic today. Perfect. Let's kind of break down why are you guys scared to ask for help? Like what are the reasons as to why you probably don't ask for help? I think for myself personally, it depends on the situation. And so in certain scenarios, there's different reasons why I'm scared to ask for help. Like sometimes it's that fear of being a burden on someone or just being a pain by asking. I don't want to inconvenience them if they feel that helping me is going to be a big inconvenience. So I guess that's a big one a lot of the time, it's kind of just that fear of, yeah, being a burden or being rejected. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's also just that fear of coming across as not knowing anything. <laughs> yeah, like I was going to say a big one for me is I don't want to come across like I don't know what I'm doing or I don't want to feel stupid. And I know that's not something that you should be worried about because there's no stupid questions, mm. but it is something that I do think about. Like I don't want I don't want Chloe to think I'm dumb or stupid about a topic or like even like a new working environment. I don't want people to think that I don't know what I'm doing because I've worked so hard to get to this point. I want them to think that I know exactly what I'm doing. 
Mm. Um, I think that's a very common feeling as well. I know for myself, I have really struggled in the past to ask for help because of the reasons that you're talking about. I don't want to look like I um, don't know what I'm doing or, you know, that I just have no idea that I'm incompetent at whatever it is that I'm doing. And I think it's really difficult to ask for help because it puts us in that vulnerable position, doesn't it? It puts us in a place where we could possibly be rejected or made to feel embarrassed or ashamed. And yeah, it brings up all those feelings and I guess I think that's why it's so hard to ask for help. And it doesn't matter what topic it is or what area of our lives it is in as well, work, school, or with our mental health. I think it's it's difficult really no matter what area it's in. Yeah, mm. and I feel like with the whole like stupid and dumb thing, that's obviously like a link to overthinking, which yeah. I am a master at. Yeah. So this is a really big topic for me and something that I incredibly struggle with because I do actually want to ask for help. Like mm. the main, like I do, when I really think about it, I get in these situations and there are moments where I'm like, I really should ask for help, but then my mind just takes over mm-hmm. and I start thinking all of these things. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like maybe let's talk about the situations that you've been in in the past. What are some situations that you've encountered and you're like, I don't want to ask for help? <laughs> <laughs> I think a very common one for me was at uni because yes, big yes for me it varied at school I wasn't as scared I think because I was so comfortable my school cohort I'd been at school with the same people for years and I felt a lot more comfortable also smaller class sizes but getting into uni where I didn't know anyone I would feel myself on the rare occasion I did ask for help I could feel like my face heat up mm. I would get red and just panic Mm-hmm. just I don't know it was even just talking in public at uni around people I didn't know mm-hmm. was yeah. just yeah and then even in private situations I'd be too scared to email a teacher and ask because I think oh what if it's a silly question she's already talked about this and I've missed it things yeah. like that I think yeah I feel like I can definitely relate to that too and I've actually been thinking about this like I think it's the environment. You're in a like an academic environment. You're around people who are achieving towards something really high and great. And so everyone's kind of put themselves on this really high pedestal. And you don't want, again, you don't want to come across as inferior or weak. You don't want to look dumb. Mm-hmm. But it's like time and time again, in all school environments, learning environments, you have professors, you have teachers, you have tutors who are saying, ask questions. There are no stupid questions. And it's like, no matter how many times they say that, you're not going to ask the question because (laughs) you just don't want to look like that one person who needs help, you know, and amongst everyone else who seems like they know what they're doing. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think the way that our society is kind of organized in modern times is that we are made to feel like we have to compete with each other whether that's in education or even in work we're competing against each other for jobs and all of that sort of thing so we each feel like we have to be the very best and we have to have the very best and I think that this can create a barrier and stop us from reaching out um, to other people when we are struggling yeah like I can't I can't count the amount of times in the past where I've been struggling with an assignment and I'm up until 1am or something trying to find references, trying to figure out how to write this essay when I really could have just emailed the tutor (laughs) asking for help or like, 
asked a, you know, like a student, but I can't do that. Something <laughs> holds me back. Another situation that I think about, and this is probably more juvenile than like, you know, the uni example, but in stores, mm -hmm. I'll be at Coles looking for a particular type of flower or something. And instead of asking an employee at Coles, I walk around multiple times. I do like laps and I look at the, the shelf for this particular flower. <laughs> and most times if I don't find it, I just give up. Mm -hmm. instead of asking because I don't again I don't want to burden them they're probably working mm -hmm. or I tell myself they don't want to be annoyed I don't want to annoy them because they're probably having a really like stressful day and they just want to go home so why would I bother them with this particular flower that I want so <laughs> yeah I don't end up getting the flower guys <laughs> <laughs> but another example is like at like makeup stores or like stores where like uh like Obviously, makeup can be used by anyone, but women in particular, I think, in society are kind of expected to wear makeup, mm -hmm. which, you know, is another topic in itself. <laughs> um, but if you don't know, like there was a point where I wasn't very, I guess, confident with my makeup skills and mm -hmm. I, walking into stores like Mecca and Sephora was very mm -hmm. intimidating. So I wouldn't ask for help. I would just kind of walk around and I'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. And I would just feel scared to ask for help because I didn't want them to judge me. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. another example that I think is very, yeah. yeah. And it's that repetitive pattern of negative thinking, isn't it, that gets in the way um, and stops us from reaching out for help when we do need it, even if we want to reach out for help. Yes. It's those stories we tell ourselves in our in our head of, I don't want to, I'm going to annoy them if I ask them for help or I'm going to burden them or they're too busy or I'll look stupid. And I think our, our brains are really good at protecting us but and, and protecting us from being embarrassed or feeling ashamed as well as from like physical threats to our survival. So we're constantly kind of on the lookout for any anything we perceive that might threaten our safety mm. and that's that can be why we're so prone to picking up those little signals that we think might put us at risk of being rejected or yeah those difficult feelings as well and but unfortunately it gets in the way and stops us from doing the thing that we want to do it sometimes does. as well yeah mm. i think for me as well i have done that a lot at uni the same as as rach was saying yeah, at uni, um, you know, I was often sort of the quiet student, the one who kind of, I preferred to kind of stick in the background and not to bother my professors or that sort of thing because I felt like I was being a burden or because um, I didn't want to look silly or like I didn't know what I was talking about or that sort of thing. So those sorts of situations that everyone kind of has as well. But I did actually have a really positive experience where I did kind of push through that too oh. yeah and I did I had one professor in um my undergraduate where he was very much um open and saying you know if you do need help with something come to me it doesn't matter what it's about I'm here to support you sort of thing yeah and you know it didn't have to be in front of the class um it could be whatever way of approaching him that the student wanted so mm -hmm. I sent him an email um, asking for support. At the time, I, I really wanted to explore different options that I had in my degree. And even though he wasn't an expert in that particular area that I was asking him about, he connected me with people who 
were able to help me. So that was a really valuable lesson for me in reaching out for help and kind of pushing through those difficult feelings and, you know, just taking a deep breath and pushing the send button on that email as well. Which can be really hard as well. Like I know for me, I've had similar experiences as well where I do draft the email, Yeah, but sometimes I don't send it because again, (laughs) I convince myself they don't need to read this email. I can do this myself. Yeah. <laughs> but that is a good leeway into our next question, just mm-hmm. talking about the benefits of asking for help. Because obviously, I've had lots of experiences where I do eventually ask for the help. Mm-hmm. And then you get the classic saying of, why didn't you ask me in, like to begin with? <laughs> I, I'm always here to help. I'm always willing to help. And then you kind of think to yourself, well, yeah, why didn't I ask? Yeah. So what are some of the benefits? Like, Chloe, you did say, like, mm. you had a positive outcome, but can you think of any other benefits of, like, yeah. asking for help? Yeah, I think it just helps like asking for help, I think just helps us to feel less isolated in ourselves. We connect with new people and we know that social connection is so important for our well-being as well. Also, I think asking for help um, kind of helps to normalise talking about the struggles that we're having or talking uh, like it normalises talking about when we are having a difficult time and we do need to ask for help. And it shows other people that it is okay to ask for help as well. And I think as well, it can also create a space where it is okay to ask for help. So it's not only showing others that it's okay to ask for help, but also showing others that you're a safe person to ask for help too. Yeah, for sure. Why do you think it has become normalised to not ask for help? Like, why do you think we're in this position where we're constantly kind of questioning ourselves, like whether we should be putting ourselves in a vulnerable position and asking for Mm -hmm. help? Why do you think yeah. It's like this. Yeah, so I really think that kind of goes back to the way our society is c- kind of structured at the moment. You know, we're much more disconnected from each other, the way we live and the way we work. We're so much more individualised than we used to be, so we've come to rely on each other a lot less. And, again, because of the way society kind of um, encourages us to compete with one another. And then with this, we have all these social norms that kind of tell us that we need to be self-reliant, we need to be independent. Mm. Um, and this creates a, all of this stigma and shame around asking for help mm. and, you know, uh, risking being, you know, quote unquote rejected or perceived as quote unquote weak. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm I'm obviously not qualified like you, Chloe, but I have some <laughs> theories myself as to mm-hmm. where this kind of stems from. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it stems from our interactions during like our youth and our childhood mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how we're raised. Mm-hmm. And you don't know this about me, Chloe, but I am a film nerd. I love films. Mm-hmm. And so when I talk about examples often in the podcast, I refer to films mm-hmm. because I feel like they're good pop culture references and most people do know what I'm talking about. Yeah, definitely. So I kind of gathered some Disney films mm-hmm. to talk about. The first one is The Little Mermaid. Ah, one of my favourites. <laughs> now, The Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. for the listeners at home who have never seen it, and if you haven't seen it, I think you do need to see it, is obviously about a mermaid named Ariel. Mm-hmm. She's a rebellious 16-year-old who I, I didn't know that she was 16. Did you guys know that she no, was 16? No, I wasn't expecting her to be that young. <laughs> I thought she was a lot older than what she was, but she's 16 apparently. She is very fascinated with the human land outside, Mm -hmm. but her father, typical father, 
does not want her to be in a potentially dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. And so what does she do? She goes to Ursula mm. and she gets legs and <laughs> she gets into this situation when really she could have she could have talked it out with her dad because yeah. the dad does come come to her rescue at the end mm-hmm. and he does develop like an understanding to her situation. Yeah. But also I think this goes into another question. She could, if her dad wasn't the person that she could have asked, she could have found someone else to talk to about it and ask for help. Mm-hmm. So, Rach, what do you look for in a person when you you want help in a situation that is a bit difficult to ask for? Like, what are some of the characteristics that you look for or things, you know? I think for me, firstly, I really look for someone that I feel comfortable with. So in an environment depending on who's available, I'm always going to choose a person that I've known the longest, I have the strongest connection with, just because I feel safer talking to them. I feel like I'm not going to be judged. I feel less judged in that situation and just a little bit safer being a bit more vulnerable Mm -hmm. when talking to someone that I'm quite comfortable with. Obviously, that's not always available depending on what sort of situation you're asking for help in. You might be having to ask a complete stranger, but I think then... It's wanting to ask someone who I believe is going to be the most informed and knowledgeable to try and help me as well. Even you can kind of just judge by looking at people a lot of the time as well, who looks like they will be really nice, you know, sort of things with body language. If there's someone who's always smiling Mm. or seems really friendly, I think things like that are also a lot more approachable. Yeah, I think also like... That is something that I would think of first. But then there are probably situations where you go to the person that you wouldn't typically pick first. And that is really hard, I think, because they typically, they're probably not smiling and they're probably not as warm and friendly as your first pick. But they're the person that you need to hear that information from the Mm -hmm. most. Mm -hmm. And... This is this is so random, but I'm thinking of um, a personal experience where I was trying to get into marketing and my uncle kind of pushed me to reach out to this person at his workplace and it kind of made me really anxious because I'd never met this person before, I'd never talked to her before, so I kind of sent her an email blindly and I was like, I introduced myself, I said, hi, I really want to learn more about this industry, I want to like get some tips and stuff like that. And she was really nice about it. And she said, hey, let's go grab a coffee. And like, yeah, she was nice, but I didn't know that because I'd never met her before. But I feel like you don't know exactly who to ask. It kind of just comes in very random situations where you're like, oh, yeah, you were the person to lead me in the right direction. Like, yeah. you, you know, you don't know sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And I think most people are. Um, happy to help as well. Um, yes. It's just I, I think that sometimes people as well, as much as people struggle to ask for help, I think sometimes people also struggle to offer help too. Um, so it's kind of we need to kind of break down both of those barriers as well, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Because that's I'm, a really positive experience yeah, that you had. Yeah. And yeah, no, I think about it all the time. And I'm actually Facebook friends with her now. Yeah. Like it started as a LinkedIn connection <laughs> and now I'm Facebook friends yeah. and she just had a baby and I was like, congratulations on your baby. Like <laughs> it was a really good positive outcome. <laughs> Anyways, guys, have you had any experiences of being the helper? 
Yeah, definitely. I'm really lucky in my work that I get to help people all the time. And that can be really little things from helping someone do their grocery shopping or cooking dinner or making their bed, whatever it is, um, to really big things like supporting someone when they're in a crisis situation. So yeah, I have had um, a, a lot of experiences like that and it always makes you feel good that you were able to help someone um, to get through a difficult time, no matter what it was. So I, I always kind of think, yeah, like going back to what I said before, people do, people are generally happy to help as well because it makes the helper feel good too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I've got something I'd like to ask Chloe. Yes, Just in regards with your work, obviously working in psychology, something that I think is a very uncomfortable situation for a lot of people is yeah. asking for help in regards to mental health yeah. and struggling with any sort of depression, anxiety, any kind of things like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. And even just reaching out, whether it be to a psychologist or to someone that you trust, that first step in talking about mental health can be something that's so challenging. Yeah for a lot of people. So mm-hmm. I'd love to ask kind of just if you've got any advice or tips on yeah. like making that initial first step. Yeah. So I think the same sorts of things as as you were talking about before, you know, approaching someone who has the right um, expertise or someone who will give you the kind of support that you need or to be able to connect you with someone who can. And I think as well, often we're not really in um, the right mental state or we might not be in the right mental state where we are ready to reach out and ask for help. So we might need to do, you know, some self-care or um, some kind of work to be able to get into that position where we are ready to ask for help. We might need to manage some of those difficult feelings of discomfort that come up and do some, do a grounding exercise or that sort of thing. But I think as well, sometimes, you know, if you're not quite ready to reach out and ask for help from like, you know, it's a scary situation, you might need to go to your GP and ask for a mental health care plan, that sort of thing. Finding a support person, someone that you do trust and someone that you feel safe with can be really helpful too. As much as that, you know, might be a really scary thing to reach out and ask for that person's help, it can also help you to get the right support that you need. I do remember a few years ago now when I was in a difficult situation and um, I felt really alone and I was really struggling with my own mental health. And for me, the best thing that I did in that situation was just send my my girlfriends in our group chat a, a message and yeah. say, I'm really struggling right now. And that was amazing because what they all did is they all showed up for me in that space. They all came over to my house, we ordered dinner, we watched movies and they were able to help me get through that, that you know, crisis point that I was in so that I could kind of move forward and, and get the support that I did need in that time. Yeah, yeah. and that's the type of people that you need. Like yeah. you saying that reminds me of my one of my best friends she's going through something at the moment and yeah. she called me the other day and we just went for a Macca's run. Yeah. And we just sat in the car with some chips and like a hot drink. And um, in moments like that, I just kind of let her vent. Yep. And I let her cry mm-hmm. and I just kind of sit in the car with her and she just talks it out because I feel like in situations like this, when it gets to that point, you probably don't have a lot of people that you can talk to about it yeah. and you kind of put bottling it all in. So... I like it's nice 
being that person that people like call upon. Yeah. Because it makes you feel good too. Like it makes you feel like, oh, like I'm that person for that for that someone so yeah definitely yeah and sometimes like I was saying before sometimes people are really scared to offer that help too because they don't know if they're going to say the right things or do the right things and they're they're kind of scared of making it worse but I think in that situation the best thing that you can do is to listen Mm. and to offer empathy and be there for that person and when they're ready to try and support them to get the the more professional help that they might be needing yeah of course There are probably, there are situations where you probably convince yourself that you can do it on your own and that's, that's fine and dandy, like mm-hmm. good problems, pro- problem solving skills. Um, there are many situations where I've have in the past have been like, oh yeah, I can do that. But then I start to spiral and mm. how do you identify when you kind of need to step back and say, okay, I can't do it on my own anymore. I mm-hmm. need to ask someone for help. Like what are some situations where you've been like, I can't yeah. do it? Yeah, like I think in general if you're not able to do the things that you need to do anymore because you're stuck in that spiral, then it's, um, you know, it's a situation where you might need to to take a time out to ground yourself and maybe then move forward and and ask someone else for help yeah yeah um if you're stubborn like me like trial and error also works as well like if you're constantly getting to a point where it doesn't work and you've tried and tried and tried again that is also a good sign that you probably can't do it on your own anymore yeah and I feel like also if it starts affecting your day-to-day yeah definitely like sometimes I've kind of lost sleep over things because I'm overthinking things I'm spiraling about things Mm -hmm. and if it starts affecting your health like Mm -hmm. if you feel yourself becoming more irritable Mm -hmm. like more annoyed with certain people and like your relationships then again that's probably a good sign also that you need someone to kind of give you a lending hand yeah absolutely but yes another question how to ask for help. Yeah. This is a good one. Like, Chloe, <laughs> you did say before that you sent an email, and that I think is a good yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, you know, thinking about the ways of asking for help that work for you as well. So in that case, for me, it was emailing, or in other cases, it's been sending a text message or whatever, because um, uh, it can be really difficult to ask for help in person, especially. But if it's easier for you to ask in a way that's non-direct, then, you know, use that approach. Um, I think as well sometimes sometimes we do need to do difficult things to be able to move forward. Um, and sometimes it is as easy enough as taking a deep breath and sending that email like I did. Or sometimes we might need to do something to manage those feelings of discomfort that we're having beforehand, so some self-care or grounding. I think as well it can be important to kind of get curious about why you're feeling the way that you're feeling, why it's difficult to ask for help or why you're stuck in that negative thought spiral. Mm -hmm. And, and then also just kind of giving yourself some compassion and acknowledging this is a hard thing to do. Yeah. Sometimes it can be really helpful to just kind of be a friend to ourselves and to acknowledge that this is difficult for you, but that 
you can get through this. And then um, once you're kind of in a place where you're ready to ask for help, making a plan as well about how you're going to ask for help is really useful. You know, are you going to do it in person or will you give them a call or send a text? Would it be helpful for you to plan out how you're going to ask Mm. and, and maybe practice what you might say? Is there a support person, someone that you trust who could help you to approach the person that you do need to ask for help? And as well, I think it is also important to have a think about how you might manage if they do turn you down or perhaps disappoint you in the support that they provide. Yeah, because I feel like for me, um, this obviously doesn't work for everyone, but I guess acknowledging that they could potentially say no does kind of help me sometimes push and just ask anyways. Yeah, because you don't know unless you ask. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to shoot your shot, don't well, you? Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And I feel like another thing that I do personally is I practice. Yeah. I sometimes will write out what I want to say and then I'll say it in front of like the mirror or I'll practice it in front of my mum and dad and be like, do you think this is okay? Do you think they'll say yes? <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes that reassurance just kind of builds up my confidence as well. Yeah. And if I've if I know that I've said it and I haven't stuffed up and I know that it's asking all the right questions, I've put in everything that I can and it's genuine, then that also gives me the confidence to just do it as well. Yeah, yeah. And on the flip side, when we talked about um, earlier being someone that people feel like being the helper, Mm -hmm. what are your sort of tips on helping someone make themselves approachable so that people can come to you? I think that one of the best ways we can do this is by really kind of and this is scary in itself, but modelling that vulnerability ourselves Mm -hmm. and kind of modelling asking for help and also modelling that it is okay to ask you for help too. So, yeah, I guess it's about making us a a space where, where, you know, it's normal to have these kind of difficult discussions. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I feel like it's very different with different cultures and Mm -hmm. upbringings as well because well I come from well my dad is Canadian Mm -hmm. and my mum's Vietnamese so like a little bit of both Mm -hmm. but I noticed especially in like my mum's side that it's very frowned upon to kind of talk about things Mm. when you're feeling down or like Mm -hmm. you're kind of told to just bottle things up and move on yeah and I feel like that's not good <laughs> because it's probably why I struggle with asking for help sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, like it's okay in my immediate family, but mm-hmm. it's if I want to ask for help for my, with my extended family, I get a bit anxious and I yeah. don't really go to those people because I just feel like they're not the people that I should be asking. Yeah. Um, so do you feel like it differs amongst cultures uh, even like gender yeah I think gender is a big one as well like men are kind of told not to talk about their feelings and when things are wrong so what are your thoughts on that yeah absolutely um and the research kind of supports this as well that there are kind of all these cultural and gender norms that might get in the way of us reaching out for help when we do need it and whether that's not showing emotion because we might be perceived as weak or incompetent, or or there might be a social norm around um, being stoic and just kind of pushing through it, and yeah, not showing any kind of weakness, not showing emotion, not burdening others. So 
yeah, all of the things that you said, I think that this does really contribute to a reluctance um, for people across genders and um, across cultures as well um, to showing emotion that might, yeah, get in the way of us asking for help. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm thinking of like another example Prior to getting um, my role at Happy Way, I was in another workplace and it wasn't the most healthiest workplace. Mm -hmm. And it kind of made me cry at one point. I was at my current, I was at my grandparents' house on my mum's side, and they're the very quiet type. They don't really like the most that I talk to them about is just kind of like how my day is, how their day is, like. Mm -hmm. And we, their communication is like food. That that's mm -hmm. their love language, and. I think at one point I was visiting and I just kind of broke down because I had all these emotions and I just was like, I was over it. And it was the first time in like my whole life where I just realized, oh, they do care. Yeah. Because they just started talking to me about it. And they even said, like, I know in the past we've said to just kind of deal with things and move on. But mm -hmm. if it's affecting you this much, then perhaps you should leave that environment. Yeah. And it just made me realize, oh, like, wow, they're actually, like, really there for me yeah. and they do want me to talk about these things. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sometimes it just takes that little bit of vulnerability and then it shows other people that it is okay as well to talk about those things. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, guys, got a bit emotional. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Are we as a society, do you think, doing the right thing to combat this topic? Yeah. So I guess you know, um, my area is sort of mental health specifically. And I think that, you know, obviously over the last decade in particular, we've had a massive kind of push in raising awareness about mental health and the importance of checking in um, on your mates. And I think that that's important and that's really great that we're at a point where most people do know at least some kind of foundational knowledge about mental health and the signs to look for that someone might be struggling but I do think that there is a need to kind of move beyond just the awareness raising mm. and to teach people um, the skills and to empower them to feel confident to talk about um, mental health and to create spaces where it is safe and comfortable to talk about mental health and also to normalise talking about mental health and supporting each other generally. I also think just kind of beyond that as well, we also need to do more to ensure that when people do reach out and ask for help, especially in the mental health space, that there is also actually help available, professional help. Yes. Um, and, yeah, so that kind of on a society level, that means addressing the problems that exist in the mental health system. Like obviously we have a shortage of psychologists at the moment mm -hmm. and they have huge waiting lists. So, yeah. yeah. Well, my me and my friend were actually talking about this the other night. Yeah. She is wanting to... Mm -hmm. schedule an appointment but she doesn't really know the steps that she needs to take yeah so I think we came to the conclusion that she should just book an appointment with her GP and yep. then kind of see what happens there but yeah that is the first step is to reach out to a GP and to get a mental health care plan so then you can access those um, free sessions that are provided by men uh, by Medicare with a, a yep. psychologist uh there are also a range of mental health um, professionals that aren't covered by Medicare and those include counsellors who um, obviously you will have to pay out of pocket but if you are able to and you're needing that support then those um, people are available too. Mm. Yeah and there's also like there's helplines obviously they're not yep. 
they're not going to give you the full um yeah but if you are in a crisis situation they can provide that support they can provide a listening ear and they can yeah. provide that empathy that you might be needing in that moment yeah, yeah of course i guess we'll go into our we do a little promo code chloe mm-hmm. so this is our first promo code of the episode <laughs> if you guys want to try the best supplements in town use lr15 and check out Happy Way Supplements. We've got really good proteins. We've got superfoods. We've even got accessories. So check it out. But yeah, I feel like we've had a really good conversation about this topic. It's been really interesting, I think, hearing from you just in all the different areas yeah. of asking for help. It's not just specific to work or uni. It can be mental health. It can be yeah. just a whole variety of different things. So it's yeah. really interesting to Hear from a professional in the area? Yeah. I have another thought. This is an intrusive Mm -hmm. thought here. Um, (laughs) What are your thoughts on Are You Okay Day? Because Mm. I do appreciate how it's become like a part of like lots of work cultures and they make an effort and they have the little cupcakes with the Are You Okay? (laughs) Um, And you get like the emails from your co-workers saying, Are You Okay? (laughs) Um, But yeah, like you're laughing about it and I'm laughing about it too because I feel like in a way it has become sort of like a meme. Like Yeah. And... I'm thinking to myself, yeah, thank you for messaging me that, but I'm not about to tell you what's going in my personal life because I don't I don't feel like it's the time and place right now. Yeah, definitely. And I think that kind of goes back to that um, you know, the it's great that we've had all these campaigns to raise awareness, but we need to teach people how to have these kind of conversations as well because what happens if you ask someone whether they're okay and they come back and say, no, actually, I'm not? Yeah, and I feel like that that's the problem yeah. with Are You Okay Day because people are just kind of saying it for the sake of saying it. Yeah. And, like, I ticked off the Are You Okay Day thing. But, yeah, what if you did say, no, I'm not okay? Yeah. What would you say yeah. then? Like, yeah. Exactly. Um, So I think, yeah, there needs to be more skill building around how to have those conversations and also just normalising those conversations on any day of the year, not just one. Yes. Well, yeah, it's the same like Mother's Day, Father's Day. You should be appreciating (laughs) your mothers and fathers every single day. But yeah, like even asking, are you okay outside of are you okay day is okay. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I feel like that kind of wraps up the episode, guys. I just want to say thank you to Chloe. Thank you very you, much. I feel like you contributed a lot. Like Rach said, like your contributions are really insightful and I feel like it validates a lot of what we're feeling and thinking. Mm. And sometimes you do need that. You just need someone yeah. to kind of validate like, yeah, like this is normal. This is a universal feeling. It's yep. okay to feel this way and here's how to overcome it. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much That's for having all good. me. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. We just want to give you a little present as well. We've got some goodies from Happy What's Way. In the bag? Okay, we'll do a little haul for the <laughs> for the viewers and the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so we have here caramel popcorn. <gasps> this is one of our brand new ones, Chloe. <laughs> oh, I feel very privileged. <laughs> By the way, this is vegan. This is all vegan. Amazing. It's really nice. It. It is what it what it says, caramel popcorn. I mm-hmm. think you'll like it. Mm-hmm. We yes, also got so <laughs> <laughs> classic chocolate. Ooh, classic chocolate, guys. <laughs> Again, if you want to try these for yourself, LR15. That's all I'll say. <laughs> and we've also chucked in some of our kids' bars. Ooh. Now, 
don't be alarmed by the term kids bars. They pack a lot of nutrients, Rach. I'm obsessed with them, I eat them all the time. <laughs> we eat them a lot at the office, they're really good. This one's choc coconut, we've got Ooh, some yeah. other flavours in there too. But yeah, we just want to say thank you with some goodies for coming in today and talking to us about this lovely topic. <laughs> oh no, thank you. But yeah, thank you again guys. And uh, I feel like the takeaway from this episode is to send that email. If you're, yep. uh, if you're struggling and you just need some help, send that email, practice your speech and just go for it. It's scary, but the outcome is definitely worth it. Yeah, that's so, it. Yep. Thank you guys and tune in next time. <laughs>